Welcome to the 347th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with Christian Trotman, Executive Editor at Hachette Books. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 185,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a different story, one that supports your local community and your local bookstore. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. You can listen during your commute while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best, your local bookseller. Here's your special offer from the Reading and Writing Podcast. Get two audiobooks for the price of one today with your first month of membership with the code RWPODCAST at checkout. This offer is only valid for new members in Canada and the U.S. Check out Libro.fm today. Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Christian Trotman, Executive Editor at Hachette Books. Christian is one of the few African-American book publishing executives. She has edited numerous New York Times bestselling books, including John Lewis's Across That Bridge, Lindy West's The Witches Are Coming, Stephanie Land's Maid, and many more. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Deb. Sure. Well, what are your earliest memories of reading and books? Well, I've always... Um... I grew up in a household where, you know, books were not pushed upon us, but my mother was an avid reader. And um, I thought it was interesting because she always read horror. So she's read basically every Stephen King novel ever written. And she used to read them to us. And I grew up with a a extremely fearful mindset around horror or (laughs) anything scary because she was reading to me as a child. But I did love spending time with my mom and books and reading um, everything that she wanted to read. That's great. Well, how did you first become interested in working in book publishing? And I'm curious, what were some of the first jobs that you had in the industry? Well, I became interested because um, like most English majors, I did not know what I wanted to do, but I loved reading and writing. Um, There were options, you know, put out there about law school. Uh, I didn't really think that was me because I, you know, I I knew that I wanted to be in a creative um, job sort of career. Um, And they had a publishing program at the school I was at. Um, So I signed up for that, um, you know, as an extra the backup plan because they, they guaranteed an internship. So I just thought that was a good idea since as an English major, and I didn't know which field I wanted to go in. I would do this program and uh, at least get an internship in publishing. Um, and during the program, um, you know, we had different classes on contracts and editorial, and I still wasn't really excited about it until I met one of the editors 
Her name was Malika Adero. She was a, a black editor and she came into one of our classes and talked to us about all the great books that she was doing. I had never heard of any of her authors because as an English major, I was really consumed with reading classics. And I just, you know, I didn't really know a lot about contemporary books at the time. There was not like, it was, I mean, you would really have to know which book you wanted to buy. And as a broke college student, I was just concentrated on paperbacks and classics. Um, but I loved the books that she was working on and the ideas behind them. And I just requested to have an internship with her. And when my internship, internship was over, her assistant left and I came in to be her assistant and it took off from there. <laughs> so publishing is a very subjective business. What sparks your interest in a project? Um, my interest uh, is really seeped into the writing since a lot of the books that I publish are uh, narrative nonfiction. So I value the way that um, nonfiction writers can tell a story um, that's not fictional, but still engage you. And it could still be a page turner. Uh, we, we find a lot of that now with true crime um, in certain categories in the nonfiction space that are doing even better. So um, I, um, I really concentrate on how the writer, usually I work with a lot of journalists, how they tell their story, or if they're an expert in the field, how are they able to communicate where the reader is not only going to understand, but also just be fully engaged and have a sense of connection with um, the subject that they're writing about. So I publish books that range from science to um, politics, and usually that's what they all have in common. I, I work with people who are really engaging in um, discussing these subjects in a fresh way, and that can be accessible to any reader, no matter what level of of knowledge you have about science or politics, you can still engage into this, be engaged by the subject and read it. So have there ever been books that you were passionate about, but you couldn't get other editors excited about it as much as you were? Oh, uh, that's some editors experiences. It's not really one of my big experiences. I really, um, you know, I think, you know, once you're respected and selective, then people know that maybe you have a vision that they may not see right away, but they have, a, you know, your colleagues have, you know, we have confidence in each other um, and in our experience that, you know, we can still be supportive, even though we may not fully um, understand what the editor's vision is. And I think that I've, I've worked with publishers and editors who, you know, trust me and I trust them and that's always a good team to be on. So I haven't had to like fight for my books to be published. It's usually if I think, you know, I can, as long as I can communicate what the book idea is, if it needs work, if the proposal needs work, I can communicate um, what changes I would make and help the, and how I would help the author improve the work. Then, you know, then people usually get it and um, I can move forward with acquiring the books. Well, I know that you've recently written four new books that you co-authored with Brenda Jones, Queens of the Resistance. These books are profiles of four female politicians, Elizabeth Warren, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Nancy Pelosi, and Maxine Waters. Can you tell us how the Queens of, Res of the Resistance books came about? Um, I worked with um, Brenda on this book, Across, Across the Bridge. Across the Bridge by John Lewis. And I just absolutely love that book. 
Um, she is his she was his communications director, so she has helped him write uh, most of his books and his speeches. And um, she was really great to work with. So we just developed a connection. Um, and she was someone that I could talk to about politics that had a way of um, talking to me about it that felt just very accessible. And um, I enjoyed talking to her about politics, um, even though we were going through what we deemed as a dark time under the Trump administration. Um, but when I talked to her, I felt empowered um, as a as a just a citizen and a voter. And um, it just came about that I wanted the the I wanted readers. I wanted to give that discussion about politics to readers because I think a lot of the books we do publish are you know they're they're bashing um, you know certain politicians or certain administrations and they're just like they don't really celebrate um, democracy and I just wanted a book that could celebrate democracy and also make it accessible to voters to know what their powers are and 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 people that can be motivated to become leaders in the field. Um, to give them sort of knowledge about the backgrounds of some people like Elizabeth Warren and Maxine Waters, who we see as great and successful leaders, but we don't really think of uh, in terms of like where they've come from. We think that they were like born these leaders and they weren't. And uh, we quick we created the Queens of the Resistance series to inspire other uh, change makers um, and with their with the stories of these four congresswomen. And do you think you'll do more in the series? Uh, I'd love to do more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, with the recent murder of George Floyd and the subsequent global protests, the U.S. is once again having a national conversation about race and racial equity. <clears throat> As an African-American publishing executive, what are your thoughts about book publishing specifically and how book publishing can reflect the racial and cultural diversity of American readers? Yes, I think that um, this has been a huge wake up call to the publishing industry. Um, you know, we have known for a long time there is a, a, a enormous lack of black executives. Um, I think in editorial, there's one percent um, black executives in the entire publishing industry. Due to, um, as per recent studies. Um, so it's been a huge race of race wake up call. So I'm very grateful for that. And uh, we're beginning to have a lot more discussions about how to implement um, more diversity in uh, leadership positions. And, um, you know, companies feel obligated to do that now. So this is a really wonderful time um, for someone like me. It's very much a vulnerable, a vulnerable time for um, Blacks that already been in publishing. It's sort of like we're holding our breath to see if there's really going to be change. Um, not only is it has, has there been a lack of recruitment, there's just been a lack of retainment. And I think a lot of the publishing companies have to figure out how to retain um black employees, whether it's not, it's, it's, it's definitely through, um, you know, salary, um, and, and understand how salary differences play, a, um, play a, play a card in, um, you know, and everything with, uh, in, in terms of culture, but also, um, you know, like if you don't see people who look like you, it's really hard to stay, uh, in these boardrooms and you really have to, you know, the reason why I think I've been able to 
sustain a career in publishing is because I came up through a Black editor. So I was able to see as an assistant that I could grow to be um, a senior level or an executive level editor. Um, At the time, the editor that I was working for, she was a senior editor, and I saw her have to fight for promotions while she was doing, you know, like 35% of the list. I saw all the struggles that she had to endure. And I was definitely uh, learned from that and was always on a mission to um, figure out how I would have to fight. And I just don't, I don't really think it was a, it's a healthy position for um, Blacks in publishing or any industry to feel that we have to be ready for such a fight while our colleagues can just be promoted and advance based on their performance. So what advice would you offer to a young person of color who loves books, loves reading, and is interested in a career in book publishing? Well, I mean, the network um, of people who are in, in publishing who are Black is really tight. So I definitely recommend emailing and reaching out to the the few that you know that are in publishing and having lunch or you can't have lunch anymore, but taking them out for a tea or having a phone conversation um, to tell them that you're interested and um, help them work and ask for mentorship. You know, how does your resume look? And um, just keep in contact with them because they will help you. So a lot of the editorial assistants I know a lot of them got their jobs um, because they they knew other um, black people in publishing who helped them like hop on. You know, if they if they heard an assistant was leaving, they would reach out widely to look for another black person to fill that that shoe. Um, you know, because I don't think the HR teams have been as um, focused on that. It's hard to get in um, even diverse candidates when you're when you're interviewing, even if you want to um, um, hire. Is because the some of the HR um, companies are looking in the same places, and that's not where the diverse candidates are. So um, you know, if you're just looking at you know Ivy League schools who where African Americans are a minority, you're not going to get as many diverse candidates um, coming in for the position. So it takes a lot of inward networking uh, within the African-American community that is in publishing. And there's, you know, there's Facebook, um, there's Facebook um, groups like the POC Facebook group and others where a lot of real work is being done to make sure that we're all communicating about new jobs and positions. So I would try to, you know, ask Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. 
After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, the people that you know, like what groups are you involved in, even book clubs, or, you know, you could also do things like become a part of the online community um, as a bookstagrammer, you know, to build your experience and to show people how important um, book publishing is to you. Um, And those are the ways you just have to really get involved um, and create a community around you and, and then you can get in. Great. Do you, do you, do you know of any um, discussions, uh, you know, obviously after the pandemic of possibly doing book publishing seminars or um, lectures at, at any of the historical black colleges? No, I don't, I don't, I don't know um, actually, but I'm sure there, there's a lot going on online right now. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, um, like, virtual talks with authors and, um, you know, um, and certain black organizations. Um, so, I mean, yeah, definitely tap into that. Gotcha. So how, how is book publishing, uh, operating without lunches? Uh, (laughs) Uh, I think it's okay. I think it's like, I mean, the lunches are always really interesting. Um, You know, when when you're not in book publishing and you're looking from the outside out, it's like, why do you guys have to have lunch? But it really, and it seems so like old school, but (laughs) I really think the lunches, I mean, that's where I develop the strongest relationships and the best ideas with agents. Um, It's really just, about spending time and getting to know the people that you're working with um, in terms of the agents um, and authors. Um, a lot of brainstorming happens um, at those lunches and you would be surprised about the, the, the number of work that is actually being done at those lunches in an enjoyable way. So I think we've been fine though. Like people are doing virtual teas and it's not quite the same because I think <laughs> it's hard to sit in front of your computer and feel relaxed um, for a long period of time. So they're, they're basically cut down from like two hour lunches or hour and a half lunches to like one hour on a Zoom call. Uh, but we're fine. I think, I think most of all, I just think people are maybe feeling healthier, like an editorial. Um, we actually do have space right now to sort of unplug and edit and, and really connect with our manuscripts and our authors in a different way. I just did a Zoom um, with one of my authors for the first time. And I was like, this is really great. Because usually if I was at the office, I speak to my authors on the phone. But to be able to talk um, just casually about where he's at in his manuscript, it felt really, it just felt so much, it just was a greater experience for our, us both. And we just really had a, a great talk and a good vibe. And um, so I think, you know, all of this is teaching us new ways of communication. And some of it is not bad. Some of it is really good and positive. Great. Well, if someone listening isn't familiar with exactly how book publishing works, can you describe a little bit of your day-to-day responsibilities and how you work to acquire a new book and go through the publication process? Yeah. So um, the way it works is... Um, 
you know, the agents and editors are working together um, to make deals. And it's sort of like the lunches are like the dating process where, you know, you go to lunch and there's some agents that you really connect with and you, you find out that you both have um, the same tastes and the same interests and the books that you want to do. Um, and they start sending you submissions. And um, once you like it, you take it to the editorial team and discuss it with the, the editorial, the other editors and the publisher. Um, every publishing house has it organized different, but that's pretty much standard. And once you, um, you know, you so you sort of like pitching it to your team and you can get marketing and publicity feedback about what they see as, you know, sort of a win about the project or what challenges they see might come up in terms of campaigning um, the book. Or even, you know, they are also reading the proposals that the agent has put together that describes what the book is about. And sometimes you will get editors who see challenges in the the main the proposal and what the idea is and you guys can sort of talk through the editorial have an initial editorial discussion about it. Um, and that really guides the editor's decision about whether they want to move forward with it or not. And if they do, they prepare a deal, they work with their publisher and a business manager to prepare an offer um, based on, you know, P&Ls, profit and loss statements, what value they think um, the book has based on um, the marketplace, like how well other books are selling um, that are similar to that. And I know authors don't really like to hear that their books are similar to others, but it really is good if you're um, if your book, if you can say, oh, my book is like made, but this this is the difference or this is why it's better or something, because it, it allows us to have a model of success for how we would do your book differently or not. And um, so once we have all of the, the financials um, together, we make an offer to the agent and the agent discusses the offer with the, um, the author. And sometimes the author, the, the agent may have multiple editors interested because usually when they send out a proposal, unless it's exclusive, they send it out to multiple editors at once. And you could have like five or 12 editors interested and then you have an auction going and they have to um, bid um, to get your book. Um, and, you know, it's a financial auction. So um, they're bidding for your book and whoever wins, then that's who you have to deal with, whoever you decide that you want to go with. Um, so, yeah, that's basically how it works. And, and then you have your editor and your, and your publishing team and everyone's really happy. Um, I think that agents don't are not given um, enough. Um, I mean, a lot of times agents are sort of put into a, a, a stereotype of like what agents we think of agents like mean or just about the money. But um, in writing the, the Queens of the Resistance series, I just got a really great understanding of agenting in a way that I've never had before. Agents are extremely valuable and it's extremely valuable that you get an agent that you are comfortable with, that you really feel like can represent you um, in good times and in challenging times. Um, you really need someone who, is, who cares about your project and really understands it because you will have a relationship with the editor and your publisher, but the editor and the and the agent, it's an entirely different relationship. And it's, it's extremely important to help you be able to communicate well what you want and 
Um, you know, and, and this person just really has to be someone you think really understands you and what you want out of your career as an author. Um, and they can help you shape it and manage it in a way that you can be proud of. So um, agents are extremely vital. And I was just really fortunate to have my agent, Johanna Castillo, at Writer's House representing me. And um, everyone loved her at the company. And I just think she did a really great job in managing um, the ship. That's great. So what advice or tips would you offer for aspiring writers who are listening and are writing their own stories or novels or narrative nonfiction books and hope to get them published? Well, um, I, you know, the way I came about writing The Queens of the Resistance was a very unusual path because um, my, my I was talking to my now agent, Johanna, and uh, we were talking about politics and I had, you know, been talking with Brenda about some of the issues and, you know, Johanna was like, why don't you do this series called the Queens of the Resistance series? And I was like, why would I do, why would I write a series? Because I'm an editor, I'm not a writer. <laughs> and she just thought that I should do it. And uh, I had never, ever thought about being a writer since I was a kid, Um and at the time, I just felt like I just felt that I wanted to do something different. And, and I thought that it would be really fun. Like I knew the sort of books that they should be. And I thought it would actually be fun to write, which I hope that your audience find that they are fun to read because I'm really proud of that. Um, and so I just went home and I just started working on the proposal. And then, you know, then she was she loved the proposal, which was very shocking to me. And then she just started sending it out to editors who also love the proposal. And then I was being um, going into meetings, meeting with my editor, editors, um, some that I knew, some that I didn't. And we had a book deal. So you just never know. Um, I think that you should just focus on finding a project that you really are interested in um, spending time with and developing. And you, you, you feel like it would be a fun process. Um, or something, you know, uplifting for you to do, um, because it is a lot of work. And um, I don't think that you, you you really need to focus on anything, but really trying to make sure that it's well written and, you know, find the right person to help you with it in terms of an agent. The agent can help you with all of the putting together the proposal. They can help you with finding the right editors to send it to, but they can't help you in like, well, they can help you make the idea even better. You know, it was Johanna's idea to make it four books. I did not think that we were going to get away with four books. And some publishers, they did try to talk us into putting like, in, you know, into like a flip book or two in one book. Um, but we found our golden publisher who was really understood that four books would make a bigger statement. And we did the four books. Um so you really, the, the agent also helps you, you know, helps you shape it and, you know, make sure it's, you know, exactly what you want it to be. My, what I wanted for the Queens of the Resistance series was to make a bold statement in publishing by publishing four books at once, celebrating women's lives. And I just thought that that was going to be the right thing to inspire other women um, and also to say in publishing how important women's stories are and diverse women's stories are. So that's why I wanted to do four at once. I didn't believe I could do it, but we did it. Um, so basically find the right people to work with. If you don't, if you have a great idea, but you're not necessarily a writer, let's say I work with a lot of experts in nonfiction. 
So if you're an expert in a field, let's say um, in healthcare or something, you are MD and you want to write about your experience with something, find a collaborator, hire um, a writer to help you put your story on a page. Um, you know, I just think find the right people to go to help you with your weaknesses and you're going to be able to create a great project. That's great. So outside of your own, the Queens of the Resistance books, which we've talked about, what books are you publishing in the next three to six months that you're excited about and would like for people to look out for and read? Oh, I'm really excited about the books that we have coming up. Um, one book, the first book that comes to mind is titled The End of White Politics, How to Heal the Liberal Divide by Zerlina Maxwell. Zerlina is a MSNBC political analyst, and her books are all about, you know, how to, um, you know, heal what politics has become and um, where there's only a certain white male leadership um, and she wants to see it, her vision, and what a lot of American visions now is um, for us to have more diversity. Um, and we had really one of the most diverse um, presidential runs, but we still have Biden at the top, which is fine, but he is a white male. And going forward in the future, Zerlina just um, discusses what the issues are and why we keep finding ourselves at the same place and how we can continue to support women like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, who I write about, how we how do we uplift those candidates to really make it and succeed? Um, and um, so that is that is publishing actually next week. And um, you should check out Zerlina Maxwell. Um, and another book that I'm extremely excited about is it's an inspirational book by Al Roker. The title is um, you look so much better in person. And the reason that's his, the, is, the title is You Look So Much Better in Person, um, the absurd, it's Absurd Stories of Success by Al Roker. And the reason that's the title is because everywhere he goes, people, that's the first thing they say. Like, you look so much better in person because he's on TV on a Today Show. Um, so we just found it to be hilarious. So he, um, has never, he's written books before. He's written cookbooks. He's written mystery books. He's written weather novels, if you can understand what that is. He's done everything except write about his career. He's been at the Today Show for over 40 years. And um, he's written about um, how he has, um, you know, been so successful. And he is like one of the kindest, nicest people that I've ever met. Um, so I think his advice is really top notch in the book. And it's also extremely funny. It's laugh out loud funny. Um, so that is a good present, you know, and it's also just a good read if you want inspiration to get to your next level. Um, Al Roker's advice is really, really fun. Um, yeah, so those are a couple. Great. We'll look out for those. So again, we've been speaking with Christian Trotman, executive editor at Hachette Books. Christian's The Queens of the Resistance books, as we've discussed, are available now. So go buy a copy. And Christian, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me. It was so much fun talking to you. Great. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.